0: All right, uh, our second reading is um, also in your bulletins, if you prefer it that way. It is Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. Revelation chapter 5. You hear the word of God. This is uh, John. John has uh, been taken up into heaven and uh, has been given a vision of what's to come. So John is actually seeing, this is the amazing part, what we one day will see ourselves. Okay, so this is in your future. Okay, John saw it in the past, but it lies in our future. Then I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice. And he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense And the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. God. It is also your future. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this vision that you gave Brother John. We thank you that you allowed him uh, to be in the heaven. And to see what's going on there. To give us a hope and a glimpse of what lies in our future. We pray this morning as we come to your word that you would speak to us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be present here in this room, your Holy Spirit, which caused these words of Scripture to be inspired. We pray that now that that Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds and soften our hearts so that we could receive your truth this day. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible teaches that God not only made this world but that God is also involved in the day-to-day operation of this world, and that means that our lives are not random. We are not governed by karma or chance. Our lives have a purpose. They have a goal. They have an end. And that gives our lives meaning. Our lives count for something, because they're not random, because they are part of God's larger plan. Meaning and purpose and goals and ends, these things presuppose a willful, conscious, intelligent person behind them. There is no meaning or purpose or goal or end in the universe if there is not a creating and governing mind behind the universe. One of the most chilling aspects of the atheist, materialist point of view, the point of view that says that there is nothing beyond, you know, matter and energy, the most chilling aspect of that point of view is that everything is absolutely without meaning and is totally pointless. Scientism which is a current mythology that teaches there is no knowledge beyond the knowledge delivered by the natural sciences, scientism makes the fatal mistake of thinking that you can look to science alone to make decisions. Science is very good at telling us about causal connections between events in the natural world, but science can tell us nothing about value or purpose, or goals. Science tells us nothing about what is more important or less important. Science can tell us that the planet is getting warmer, but science can't tell you if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess it's good if you're a cockroach or a fern. Science can tell you what an artillery shell will do when it hits an apartment building, but science cannot tell you if that's a good thing or a bad thing because... Good and bad and better and worse are not scientific categories like mass or acceleration. Better and worse are value judgments. They are moral or aesthetic or religious categories. And those categories only make sense upon the assumption that there is a God who made this world for a particular purpose. To make it really simple, The biblical point of view tells us that anything that works for God's purpose is good and anything that works against God's purpose is bad. One of the things that happens when you start thinking about God's providence is that you find yourself asking the question, what is it all about? What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? What should I be doing with my life? Those are purpose questions. They are about the chief end or the goal of things. Purpose questions, of course, have no meaning in the natural sciences. But purpose questions are very important to humans. Indeed, I would say that purpose questions are what make us human. Purpose questions are the questions that separate us from animals and machines who don't ask those kinds of questions. Last week we heard from the Westminster Larger Catechism, which begins with the question, what is the chief and highest end of mankind? And the answer given is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If the things that you're doing in this life bring glory to God, if the things you are doing in this life are helping you to enjoy God more fully, are getting you ready to enjoy Him forever, then you're on the right track. If you are living to the glory of God, you are living the way the Creator designed you to live. But if that's the chief and the highest end of humankind, what about the whole universe? I mean, we, after all, are just a little tiny piece of the whole universe. The simple answer to that question, and we'll flesh it out more in the weeks to come, The purpose of the whole universe is to bring glory to Christ. That's the grand goal. That's the the big picture. Let me read for you again the touchstone passage for this series of sermons on God's providence. It's on the cover of your bulletin. Paul writes, God chose us in Christ. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before God in love God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of God's will to the praise of his glorious grace. Did you catch that last phrase? to the praise of His glorious grace. That's what it's all about. The Bible tells us that the wonders of nature proclaim the glory of God. The stars and the planets, the beauties of nature, sunrises and forests and waterfalls and fields of flowers, all of these things bear silent witness to the greatness and the beauty and the orderliness and the generosity of God who created them. They are works of art. But without humans, the universe is like a locked museum full of the most wonderful treasures but no one there to appreciate them. So God put a very special creature into his universe, the only creature made in the image of God. And part of that image of God is the capacity to praise, to appreciate. Think for a second what it means to praise. To praise something is not merely to say that it is this or that or to describe it in some kind of physical way. To praise something is to ascribe value to it. To say that it is good or that it is beautiful or that it is true or that it is holy We are rational, moral, self-conscious creatures. We see the world and we reflect on the world. We evaluate the world. We pass judgment on the world. We say, this is good, that is bad. This is beautiful, that is ugly. Science, of course, does not make value judgments because good and beautiful and true and holy are not empirical qualities. They are moral and aesthetic and religious Qualities. A scientist can tell you how to preserve the life of a child in the womb. He can also tell you how to end the life of a child in the womb. From the scientific point of view, it's a toss-up. Both are simply empirical questions, but the scientist can't tell you whether or not it is good and right. That requires a moral category. Those who say, follow the science, deeply misunderstand that the important questions are not scientific. The important questions are value questions, purpose questions. Once we understand our values and our purposes, then science can be a handy tool to get us where we want to go. But deciding where we want to go, that's a value question. My daughter has recently been introduced, she's a student here at Valley Christian School, she's been recently introduced to the Van Gogh painting, The Starry Night. All of you know this painting. The Wikipedia article on that famous painting contains this paragraph. Quote, The painting was investigated by scientists at the Rochester Institute of Technology. The pigment analysis has shown that the sky was painted with ultra-marine and cobalt blue, and for the stars and the moon, Van Gogh employed Indian yellow together with zinc yellow. End quote. Well, that's true. Those are scientific empirical facts, but they entirely miss the point of the painting. They entirely are unable to tell us anything about, you know, those radiating orbs or that swirling air or the sheltering cypress tree or the little village that's nestled there in that painting. The correct response to a painting, the human response to a painting is to say, wow, it's beautiful. Science cannot praise because science doesn't make value judgments. Science can only describe things in a mechanical way. It does a very good job of doing that. Scientism, the mythology that says that science is the only path to knowledge, scientism is a terribly impoverished and inhuman way of viewing the world. The important questions in life are always about values, about the morally good, about the aesthetically beautiful, about the religiously holy, and this is actually the whole point I want to make, and all of those values rest upon the idea of purpose and the fulfillment of purpose. There is a reason that the Westminster Larger Catechism begins with asking what is the chief and highest end of man. Value is always connected to purpose because purpose is uh, what reveals the value of something. And purpose always requires there to be an intelligent creator behind the purpose. God made the world and he stuffed it full of beautiful things. And then he put a special creature into the world, a creature which uniquely has the godlike ability to recognize values, to understand purpose, to see and to appreciate beauty and truth and goodness and holiness. And God put that creature in the universe so that he could enjoy the world and then sing God's praises. Numbers 14, 21 says... The earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, which is true, but it's not enough. Habakkuk 2.14 says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now we're starting to get someplace. A glorious world with no one to know that it's glorious? Well, that'd be a waste. But God made a glorious world and then he put very special creatures in that world who perceive, who know the glory of God. And that's you and me. In our reading from Hebrews this morning, we learn that it is Christ for whom and by whom all things exist. Paul unpacks that a little bit more in Colossians chapter 1, where we read, For by Christ all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. In this case, Paul is talking about the first creation, the creation that we are currently living in. Keep in mind, there's going to be another creation. This is not the only creation that will be, and this creation is not permanent. Jesus created this world. This world was created by him and through him, but not only that, it was created for him. What's it all about? Well, it's about Jesus. It's all for Christ, to the praise of His glorious grace. Now there are many layers to the glory of Christ. Yes, it is glorious that God made a universe, billions of stars all scattered in space, but it is even more glorious that Christ did not only make dead chemicals swirling in an endless nebula, but that He also made living beings, an enormous variety of plants, And animals, and even more glorious than that, is that Christ made not only living beings, but He also made one special living being in His own image a being capable of praise, able to make value judgments, capable of knowing beauty and truth and goodness and holiness, a creature whose chief and highest end is to praise God and to enjoy Him forever. We are the pinnacle of creation. Please don't let the self-loathing, suicidal haters tell you otherwise. God made this world for His praise, and we are that one part of creation that sings His praise. But it doesn't end there. Because in God's providential design, in His equipping us for all that we needed to be intelligent and capable of value, judgments, and praise, there also was included free will. Now, in case you haven't heard, we misuse that free will. We chose to exalt ourselves rather than to praise God. And so we come then to the highest pinnacle of creation, the purpose of, That is above all others, namely God's plan of salvation. The universe exists for the glory of Christ. The glory of that man who also was God and who died on Good Friday. All-powerful, all-sufficient, all-creating God chooses freely, sovereignly to lay down his own life in love and in mercy to rescue his rebellious creatures. The grace of God is the capstone of this creation. What Christ accomplished on the cross is the apex of God's first creation. The goal of God's plan of salvation is to bring praise to the glorious grace of Christ. Those of you who have spent years studying scripture and theology, you have an abundance of reasons to sing the glory of Christ. And little children who have only just been captured by the love of the Good Shepherd, they too can sing the glory of Christ. The simple and the wise, they sing the same song. The young and the old, they sing the same song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is Christ To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings. That's the song that we sing in worship. That's the reason the church exists on earth. To lift up that song in endless praise to Christ. Christ the Creator. Christ the Redeemer. Oh, we're going to sing that song forever one day. When we see Him face to face. But we start that song even here on earth. And that song, that Exalted praise of Christ, that is what it is all about. That's the purpose of our lives. What we are doing here in this sanctuary this morning, what the choir did for us a little while ago, that's the purpose of the universe. Worship is the meaning of life to sing the praise of the Creator and the Redeemer who demonstrated His mercy by laying down His own life to save the messed up lives of the creatures that He made. God created this world to bring glory to Himself. And He put people into this world to sing that glory. And he devised a plan of salvation, a plan in which fallen men would see and understand the amazing grace of God. Those who are sinners and who are conscious of the depths of their sin, those are the people who praise God most loudly. You'll notice that those who think that they're pretty good, uh, they sing their own praises more than the praises of Christ. The Apostle Paul, who could say, I am the first among sinners, I am the worst of all sinners, Paul is also the one who pours out his whole life as a living offering to God. Every breath he breathed was praise to Christ as Savior. Writing to the Corinthians, Paul says, When I came to you, I didn't come with lofty speech or human wisdom, I decided to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Why? Well, because there's nothing more important than Christ crucified. The death of Christ on the cross for me, that is the occasion for the highest praise of God. That exceeds every amazing thing in this glorious universe. The work of Christ on the cross is the pinnacle of creation and the whole of creation was made to bring God praise. So the cross brings Him the highest praise. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. God redeemed for Himself a bunch of sinners so that they would sing His praise We at Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church affirm that we are a fellowship of sinners who sing God's praises. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. It is a song which is the purpose of the whole universe. It is the song that is the pinnacle of creation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Everything in creation points to the cross, to the sovereign self-sacrifice of God for the benefit of the creatures who were made in His image. Christ died for us so that we might sing for Him. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. If you're not singing that song, then you're missing the boat and you're missing the whole point of your life. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. It's what it's all about. It's what the universe is about. And when you sing that song, you will find yourself at peace with God. You will find yourself in harmony with creation. You will find yourself satisfied in your life and confident in what you're doing and where you are going. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for...